got my Prevnar 20 shot. It's a pneumococcal pneumonia vaccine. For us wise folks, it helps protect. I'm 19, strong. And asthmatic and at higher risk. Get vaccinated. But, but nothing when grandma speaks. Grandson listens. 19 or older with chronic conditions like asthma, diabetes, or chronic heart disease, or 65 plus, you may be at higher risk for pneumococcal pneumonia. Prevnar 20 can help protect you with just one dose. Prevnar 20 is approved for adults to help prevent infections from 20 strains of the bacteria that cause pneumococcal pneumonia. Continued approval may depend on a supportive study. Don't get Prevnar 20 if you've had a severe allergic reaction to the vaccine or its ingredients. Adults with weakened immune systems may have a lower response to the vaccine. Side effects include pain and swelling at the injection site, fatigue, headache, muscle, and joint pain. For full prescribing information, please call 1-855-213-2138 or visit Prevnar20.com. Ask your doctor or pharmacist about getting vaccinated with Prevnar20, even if you've already received another pneumococcal pneumonia vaccine. You're ready for a comeback. And with Purdue Global, you can do more than take classes. You can take charge of your story, of your career, of your life. Earn a degree you can be proud of and get an education employers respect. It's time, your time, not just to go back to school, but to come back and move forward with Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. Start your comeback at purdueglobal.edu. Had enough of those supplements that leave you feeling nothing? Symbionica is your solution to great-tasting, all-natural supplements that actually work. Crafted with premium plant-based ingredients, their products have no seed oils, fillers, or toxins. Try them out and actually feel the difference today. Visit Symbiotica.com and use code IHEART for 15% off plus free shipping on your subscription order. Again, that's 15% off plus free shipping on your subscription order. Go to Symbiotica.com. C-Y-M-B-I-O-T-I-K-A dot com. This is Cut To It with Steve Smith Sr., a production of The Black Effect and iHeartRadio. I'm Steve Smith Sr. And I'm Gerard Littlejohn. And this is Cut To It. Cut To It. Cut to it, let's get down to it, cut to it. We ask the questions you always want to know, but no one ever asks. Let's cut to it. If you ain't heard about it, then we're about to let you know. It's on. Which one are you, three? Test, 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 test. Outstanding. Test, test, test. Yep. Hey, 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 hey. What is up, Cut To It fam? How are you? What up, what up, what up? All right, let's get straight into it. Backstage Joe, what's up, man? What's going on, fellas? Hey, we had an unbelievable weekend. Didn't we? Yes, we, we did. did. We played golf this weekend. The, the Cut To It Invitational. Yes. <laughs> uh, none of us made the cut. No. Nah. <laughs> <laughs> we only made it to Saturday. Maybe Joe. We, Maybe we, Joe did. We, nah. got, we got that green ribbon, that yeah. participation yeah. award. You're right. All right, so we're driving back mm-hmm. um, from from a uh, little golf off trip, and it's about a four hour drive. We're not gonna say where we were. Uh, we don't want to lose them any right. more uh, <laughs> beach folks that right. we are. In, we we lost the Myrtle Beach folks. We don't yeah, want to keep. Up. We don't want to keep the streak going. Losing the coast. <laughs> so driving back, and it's four hour drive. So we're about two hours in. It's like, hey, let's stop. Stop. Grab something. What does anybody want? So, you know, you're on a road and... You know how it is when you're on a road trip. Got a few options. Got a few options, right? They're all pretty much the same. So... Go through a drive-thru. Go through a drive-thru. Go through through the line. So we order. Welcome to such and such. May I help you? Yes. I'm driving. Joe's there. G's there. And they all rattle off one by one what they want. So I say, hey, I would like this combo. What else? What else? (laughs) Joe says, hey, I'll take a sandwich only. (laughs) Interrupting. Then, after Joe says that, Gerard orders the exact same thing as a combo. We made it easy. (laughs) We should have known it was going to go astray because the second you got a syllable, what else? Yeah. Hey, I would would like a. What else? Yep. And also. What else? Yep. What kind of sauce? What else? else? That's how it went. So. Thank you. Here's my here is my amount. I knew it was trouble when you pulled it around. Fourteen ninety one mm-hmm. total. That was my total. Fourteen ninety one. Drive up. I hand a girl ten, 
A 10 and a 5. That's easy, easy cash transaction. 15. Okay. Easy cash transaction. Now, I'm going to write this out because I had to rethink it <laughs> when I did the transaction. Let's back, it, let's back into that math, shall we? $15, a 10 and a 5. All right. $14.91. Okay. One and one cancel out. Four cannot go in two five. So oh, you whoa, make that. Whoa, whoa, you doing old school? I got to. Math. OG math. Yeah, see, I have to. This is see. This is where we already are separated. Yep. In which regard? I, this is how math is introduced. It is. Continue with the story. All right. <laughs> so I'm doing this math. So four zero. Okay. Not make that that cancel see. out to zero nine. Bang. Make that zero a ten. Ten minus one is nine. Nine cents. Now, I knew this. I knew this, but I'm doing it the second day. This happened yesterday, second day, in case maybe I misjudged her calculating skills. (laughs) Because let me tell you, she used a calculator. On her phone. Yes. So she comes back after I hand her the money. She comes back and says, you got 91 cents? <laughs> well, but to, to be fair, first she turned her back on us when yeah. she handed her the money. And, like, we were just staring at her like, you, it was like a showdown. Yeah, at the, I, at the OK Because I looked at them, I said, I hope she's going to give me my change. Now, why then, is change important well, to me? I'm a change guy. I like to have the change, and then I take it home, put it in my change, and then every uh, six months I cash it, and I put it into dollars. Listen. I'm a change counter. I pick up change off off the. But what what was the change that she gave you? Oh, she. What was the change that she gave you? She gave me three cents. Three. So we just hold on. We, after whoa, I whoa, asked, whoa. after I asked, I said, uh, "Can I give my change?" She goes, "No." She said, and now we've backed into yeah. this math already. Oh, she goes. She goes <laughs> back hold on, into stop this. Sidetrack, Sally. Stop it. She goes, "You gonna give me ninety-one cent?" I said, "Excuse me, I gave you." 15. She goes, and, oh, and I said, then, you actually owe me. How much change do you owe me? Then, then, she, she, brings, me, then she brings out the calculator. Then she, no, she gives me three cents. And I said, three yeah. cents. Because when she gave it to me, I was like, are they giving so are they giving out bitcoins? Does this does this count? Is this a toshi? And, and I know this is a podcast, but not only did she give us three cents wrong, she finger rolled it right into Steve's hand to like with an attitude, like, here's your three cents. Yeah. Right. And so I called it and I was like, hold on. And so I told her, not aggressively, I said, in my mind, I'm going, all right, don't be rude, don't be rude, don't be rude. I said, uh, how much change were you supposed to give me? She goes, huh? First of all, if you huh, you can hear. Yeah, that's how my mama told me. <laughs> huh? I said, how much change were you supposed to give me? I gave you 15. How much was it? Fourteen ninety one. She could not do it. Uh uh-uh. uh. So then she it. brings out. So she turns her back, but she didn't turn her back quick enough as she was busting out her iPhone with a pink case Look to do the calculation. <laughs> And so she was like, well, hold on. <laughs> she used her calculator. And still got her own. She did not know how much change to give me. Nope. No clue. So then she gives me, she finger rolls me to change. Luckily. George Gervin style. She did, man. Luck, luckily, I'm such a profound <laughs> athlete, I caught all of it. Yep. <laughs> slight, slight flex. A little bit, little bit. So I catch it. Right? And then I'm like, can I get two straws, please? So she gives me the straws as if, like, here, child, yeah, here. be gone. Yep. Go, bye. Gives Go me play. The ch- she gives me the change. We get the food. I drive and off. you were hot. Yeah. He was fired hot. up. Just, Just like he is now. Fired yeah. up. Still fired Right? So then I drive off. I get on, on the, the on-ramp. On the on-ramp. And, and Joe goes. Backstage goes. And no, no. Joe didn't. I said, hold on. <laughs> Damn it. She got me. Oh. She forgot Joe's sandwich. She didn't even give us the right food. Nope. Broke it was off a, on us. I was know, petty. I it, was know petty. it was on purpose. It was petty. Oh, so, you know it was petty. So here's what I did. I took two French fries to take my supplement, and Joe ate my lunch because he didn't have a meal. Team I no. was no longer no child hungry. He was mad. <laughs> he, was he was mad. This dude ranting is funny. You know why I was mad? <laughs> Do you know why I was mad? Enlighten us. Because all of that nonsense that she did, it was on her. It wasn't my fault she couldn't count. It wasn't my fault. 
It wasn't. It wasn't my fault. She, you needed her iPhone to count up what I did on a piece of paper, and then she gets mad at me and stiffs me my sandwich. But guess what, my friends? I cleaned out my car when I got home, and guess what I found? What? My receipt with the store number. Dun, 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 dun. Because guess who's going to get a free meal? <laughs> guess who's going to get a free meal? I am. I am. Make, here it comes. Make sure you add an extra chicken sandwich on that for me. Right. I'm getting a whole damn meal. I'm emailing. Look at you. I'm going to email suchandsuch.com because, one, I need employees that can count. Or at least read the cash register. I mean, it's right there for a reason. It does all. It's, it's right there for a reason. I've worked at fast food. Now, Me this too. is this is not <laughs> Steve's trying to be all high and mighty. This I'm I worked at Taco integra- Bell. It's an integral part of your story. Yes, I worked at Taco Bell. You have you have papers, mm-hmm. you have calculators, and you got that big old register that has all the menus. Where it's you even color coded it sometimes. It it really is. Mm-hmm. Now maybe she was colorblind. <laughs> Possibly, that could be. But no shade to the colorblind listeners. Correct. Whatever. <laughs> yep. So I'm gonna give me a free. I'm gonna get the whole meal free. Do you fire the place up? No, I just want my free meal. <laughs> I just want my sandwich that I paid for that uh, she didn't give me. I'm used to it. I'm used to it. <laughs> <laughs> Who we got? Our guest today, Quincy Anunwa, drafted out of Nebraska. He spent his five years with the New York Jets and really an all-around stand-up guy, advocate for mental health, Quincy Anunwa. Quincy, coming up, you're going to take part and get iced up. So, Smitty, go ahead with the first one. All right, here we go. So, we go with the easy one. Uh, favorite cartoon growing up? Oh, man. Favorite cartoon? There's so many. Uh, I never I never saw that show. It's so many. Put <laughs> <laughs> that put many. me on the spot, man. I mean, yeah. look, I'll probably age myself, man. Um, you know, but... The last one I just saw that I remembered, because um, it was on, I think it was on Netflix, it was like Proud Family or something. That brought me back. But then if I go way back, Proud family. you know what I mean? It was like a Black Family oh, yeah, on yeah, Nickelodeon. Yeah. Was it on Nickelodeon? <laughs> it was something like that, man. So. All right, so here's, here's a good one, too. Have you ever sent a text message to the wrong person? Oh. Multiple times, man. I, I got anxiety just thinking about it. Man, multiple times. And, and the worst part is now, whenever you do it, anytime you send a text, you're always like real cautious. Like you got to make sure, okay, is this the right sender? Making sure you're not sending it to the wrong person again. I've sent a text to my wife, <laughs> whose name is Ace in my phone, Angie, mm-hmm. Ace, to, you know him, Adam. Oh, which yeah. is right underneath. <laughs> Woo! Yeah, so and it was a husband and wife. I was gonna say I've done it in reverse. No, it was a husband and wife. Like, hey, I'm yeah. on the way home. Yeah, yeah. I got the food. You the dessert. <laughs> and it was that. Yeah. And Adam goes in the text, man. That's cool, Steve, but uh, <laughs> I don't really want to know what you and Angie got planned. <laughs> so embarrassing. Your stomach sends to your feet, doesn't it, bro? I was like. No, but at first I was kind of hot. Yeah, that wife didn't reply. I'm like, that. <laughs> you were mad. I like at first I like, boo. You, I mean, yeah, I'm they out need here like a, they need a recall. Court. They need a recall I, function boom, on text. I message. hit that thing. Yeah, right. Mm-hmm. Said I'm dinner. Mm-hmm. Bang bang. You know I set it up. Yeah. You know you. I mean, Quincy don't know this like, but light skin. You know how we do it, right? Mm-hmm. I'm with you, bro. Nope. It was Adam. <laughs> So embarrassing. Yeah. I'm embarrassed for you right and now. And then a couple of weeks, it happened to be about a month later, me and Adam got together. We had a, a business thing and he brought it up. Uh, so no lunch. <laughs> <laughs> so, all right, here we go. Last one. And then we're going to jump right into your story, who you are. If you can make a rule for a day and 
everyone had to follow, what would it be? Oh, man. If I could make a rule for a day and everyone had to follow it, be real on social media, man. Mm. Be real on social media. Get to that. Mm. Keep that same energy later on. <laughs> let's cut right into it. Let's, let's hear your story. But I yeah. want to get this out of the way just immediately because um, uh, I know I'm in journalism now and, and I'm a journalist. You're in the media I'm a media guy. But I have always struggled with, I'm going to call you Quincy, but we mm -hmm. want to know, we want you to pronunciate mm -hmm. and also explain your full name, your government okay. name. <laughs> right? Because everybody knows you as Quincy. Some people butcher yeah. it. But yeah. really, just what's the, what is the meaning behind the name and all that stuff? All right, I got you. All right, so uh, my actual government name is Onachev Quincy Anunwa, right? So Onachev uh, is my oh, first name. Onachev. Okay. And it's spelled O-N-O-C-H-I-E. And it's an Igbo name, Nigerian. My parents are from Nigeria. Um, and uh, it means uh, replacement, so it's like junior. The real... So the real meaning of it is replacement, but it's just basically like junior. Uh, my dad named me after my grandpa. So he died a year before I was born. And so uh, they named me that. My parents are both from Nigeria. My dad came um, maybe like eight to 10 years before I was born. And my mom actually came like a month, a month before I was born. So that's probably not even safe at all, right? Um, and they're both from Nigeria. Um, Brought me up in the culture, all of that. And, you know, I was wearing the Jafikis. I was wearing all of that when I was growing up. They came over here, and I, I'm I'm trying to dumb it down for myself. Yeah. I want that journey. Yeah. The transportation, the journey of how they got here. If yeah. if you even know, um, mm -hmm. you know how they got here. Where did they come from? They both flew. My dad flew, and he came here first and went to school. And then my mom flew with me while she was pregnant. She actually, so she was so pregnant, her stomach was so big, her belly was so big that uh, she had a doctor, had a doctor write a note um, that said that she was holding twins when actually she was just like eight months pregnant. Wow. Yeah. So, you know, whatever it takes, right? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah so, the, uh, so she came and um, had me um, and then she went and got her nursing degree and my dad, he got his business degree and he started working at uh, Walmart. Um, and he was like a store manager for a really long time. From Walmart, he dropped Walmart and became an entrepreneur. And now he owns like two stores, two like mailing stores in uh, Southern California. American dream right there, honestly. They, they, they did whatever they could to get me over here and they, they've been working hard ever since. How many other siblings? Are you the oldest, youngest? Yeah, so it's me and then my two younger sisters. Um, one is 20. Six, the other one is twenty. It's open um, now. <laughs> <laughs> hey, yo, oh, I think she is. <laughs> That's when you know you, you know, got. You, know, you got to think about people. I got that. I got that brother. Yeah. <laughs> you yeah. know, sometimes that stuff just slips in mind a little bit. I had to. I had to think back real quick. And so you're growing up. You saying you're wearing dashikis. You're uh, mm -hmm. from. From I can take it, you're wearing who you are, your mm -hmm. culture. Mm -hmm. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. How was that perceived growing up? You know, in in Southern California, where there's a ton mm -hmm. of there's a ton of cultures there. Yeah. Mm -hmm. However, there isn't a lot of brothers walking around <laughs> in Daishiki mm -hmm. either. No, no. So, so I, I I'm I'm assuming pretty interesting at, at first because outside of your home it was normal yeah but then out your inside of your home is normal outside of your home you probably got some looks and 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 i'm, I'm assuming yeah yeah so so you know we weren't wearing dashikis every day but you know it was still still part of us you know we, we wore it um during events and stuff like that but overall i say you know especially back then you know you had the, the jokes and everything african booty scratcher all those different jokes that people would sell Boys um, in the hood always trying yeah, to. Yeah, <laughs> you know what I mean? So, you know, you got those jokes. Uh, that's really, um, for me, you know, 
And then on top of that, you know, people didn't really take the time to really pronounce my name correctly. So I was actually part of the reason why I went by my middle name was because, you know, it felt as though uh, people tried to just kind of wash away my culture. And I, and I just kind of fell into that, right? Like by going by Quincy and then just accepting that that's my name. Um, but uh, yeah, it was, it, was, it was definitely like, it was an interesting, um, interesting childhood, interesting growth pattern, you know, to be uh, Nigerian amongst a bunch of people from different cultures, but mainly just, you know, black culture, Mexican culture, like that's really the dominant um, and where I was growing up. So I think in order to kind of assimilate, right, um, for me, it was like, well, let me go by my uh, English middle name. Inside your house, and I've got some friends who are, who are Nigerian, inside your house, what's, the, what's maybe the pressure, what's the experience of having Nigerian parents while you're in the U.S.? What's, take us on that journey. Yeah, uh, well, the biggest one is um, education. You know, it's, it's a big push on education. Um, they try to make sure that, you know, they brought us here, essentially. Um, so they want us to take advantage of every every um, benefit that we can get being in this country. Um, so, you know, growing up, we, we, you know, we had to get the good grades. You know, we had to make sure that if we were doing sports, that we were also still excelling in school. You know, so... I think, you know, any, every parent is like that, but, you know, I'm just speaking on my experience on that. You know, they really push that. We have to take a break, and more than anything, we got to pay some bills. Mm-hmm. You got checked. I love Cut To It, and I, I love it even more when you download us and subscribe. And you can follow us on social media too, Smitty. Where, where at? That's at Cut To It on Instagram. What about... Twitter. At Cut To It. Facebook. Cut To It featuring Steve Smith Sr. What about online? And you can follow us at CutToItPodcast.com where you can buy merch and you can subscribe to us wherever you listen to podcasts. I got all my answers questions. I got all my questions answered. That's what I'm here for, brother. CutToItPodcast.com. Are you all about the NBA action? you got to try Pick 6, the newest fantasy app from DraftKings, an official partner of the NBA. Right now, new customers can earn a 100% instant deposit match up to $100 in Pick 6 credits when you deposit $5 or more. Getting started is simple. Just download the DraftKings Pick 6 app and sign up with code TBE. Pick at least two players and choose if they'll have more or less of a stat. Like, will they score more or less than 30 points or have more or less than eight assists? Lock them in and compete against others for a shot at huge cash prizes. Download the DraftKings Pick 6 app now and get started with code TBE. New customers can earn a 100% instant deposit match up to $100 in Pick 6 credits when you deposit $5 or more. Only on DraftKings Pick 6 with code TBE. The crown is yours. One offer per new customer. Minimum $5 deposit to receive a match of up to $100 in Pick 6 credits. Non-withdrawable and valid for Pick 6 use only. Expire after 180 days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. 18 plus in most eligible states. Age varies by jurisdiction. Eligibility restrictions apply. Pick 6 not available in all states. For up-to-date list of states, visit dkng.co slash pick6states. Void where prohibited. See terms at pick6.draftkings.com slash promos. Hi, it's Gabby Reese, and this podcast is powered by Laird Superfood, a brand that's truly close to my heart because it was founded in my kitchen by my husband, big wave surfer Laird Hamilton. Today, Laird Superfood boasts an amazing lineup of products, all crafted with the highest quality plant-based ingredients. Think functional mushrooms, real fruits and veggies. What makes us unique? We're committed to using only real ingredients, no artificial and no natural flavors. Two of my absolute favorites are prebiotic daily greens, really great tasting, and we've added some mushrooms to support your gut even a little more. Then there's our instant latte lineup. We've got instant mocha, instant latte, chai. If you want to discover Laird Superfood, you can do it at your local retailer on Amazon or at LairdSuperfood.com. And if you put in the code GABBY2024 on our website, you'll get an exclusive 20% off your first purchase.
Had enough of those supplements that leave you feeling nothing? Symbiotica is your solution to great-tasting all-natural supplements that actually work. Crafted with premium plant-based ingredients, their products have no seed oils, fillers, or artificial nonsense. It's just pure goodness in every pouch. Try them out and actually feel the difference today. Visit Symbiotica.com and use code IHEART for 15% off plus free shipping on your subscription order. Again, that's 15% off plus free shipping on your subscription order. Go to Symbiotica.com. That's C-Y-M-B-I-O-T-I-K-A so growing up in Los Angeles, how did those two worlds, Nigerian and Los Angeles in the 90s, how did that shape and impact your view on the world? Because you had two different views. Mm-hmm. And as an adult, you would probably, you can say it was an advantage, but as a child, yeah. you probably saw it as a disadvantage. Yeah. Yeah, it was, it was interesting. So actually, we were... Uh, maybe like 45 to an hour uh, Marino Valley is where I grew up so it's about uh, maybe an hour east uh, down at 63 way but it's it's essentially you know uh, a lot of people came from LA to go live in Marino Valley so it was it was a it was a definitely interesting you know upbringing you know to say the least you see so many different things um, but I think part of it what's funny is that uh you know, my parents kind of shielded me from a lot of things. They put me in a, in a private school, you know, so for a good amount of my childhood, I was in a private school, you know, so there was a lot of things that I didn't see until I started going to public school, and then my life got flipped upside down. In what way? In what, do, do tell. tell. <laughs> <laughs> hey, do <laughs> You can't just leave us there. Yeah. Cliffhanger. No, no, no. It, it, you know, I mean, private school is a different lifestyle, man. It's, it's um, there's no really way to explain it, you know. So when you go to public school, you know, you get a you get a real taste. You know, I think what helped me a lot was just the fact that I was playing um city ball, you know, football. So I got a I got you know, I got to see, you know, different ways people, you know, kinda acting and stuff. But, you know, when I got to high school, that's when I really started to see, you know, uh I got up close to like gang culture and all types of other things that I you know, you see on TV, but it wasn't until I was actually in school and seeing stuff, I was like, bro, where am I at? <laughs> Do you think you were shielded in a way? In, definitely. In private school? Oh, yeah, definitely. Definitely. You know, there's, yeah. you know, you, you, people talked about it, but nobody was really about it. Mm. Was that shield, do you believe, was that shield enough for you at that moment? So when you got to public school, you had the, you had enough wherewithal to be able to separate yourself, or at least be hesitant and not mm-hmm. jump all in uh, immediately. Yeah, I, I think so. You know, I, I think you know, when I see other people's stories, you know, theirs are different. So I can't say that this is just a, a blueprint. But I think for myself, it was helpful. You know, I kind of had, I kind of already had a lot of discipline, and part of it might have came mainly from my parents, but also. You know, from being in that school, I think that that helped me as well. I don't know if I'll do the same thing for my kids, but, you know, I'm just speaking on my own experience. So you're saying you wouldn't do it for your kids, meaning you wouldn't? I wouldn't put it in private school. Uh, 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 Other than the money. I heard that (laughs) money thing. I heard that money thing. You know, retired retired players do. Mine go to private school. You got to look at that budget line item. So this is my thing. My my private school wasn't like a big private school where I could have gone there and then went to college and played ball there. Like there was no chance of me being looked at. So uh, everybody's private school experience is different. The one that I was at was not going to help me get to where I'm at now. So that's actually why I went to public schools because you know everybody knew I had the talent, but I wasn't going to get anywhere being in that school. So I say if it's a private school that can you know you can go to and still make it, um, then I might put them in there. But the route that I took. Yeah, I, I wouldn't do that for my kids. So you're talking just from a sports-related understanding um, the journey of trying to give your child, if they pursue a professional or collegiate career, mm-hmm. that this helps them based on your your own experience. Exactly. Man, so you're in high school. You know, you're, you're at public school now. You're in the real life. Mm-hmm. When did you believe in, in playing in high school that you felt I can possibly go to college and, and participate 
in football at that level, Division One? Yeah. Uh, when I first got there, it was a struggle. Uh, you know, like I said before, the, the school that I was at, you know, I knew they knew I was talented. You know, I got to a level where everybody was talented, really talented. So the, the first couple of years, you know, I, was, I showed flashes. So, you know, I, they put me out there. They saw me score some touchdowns. They knew I could play. But, you know, it was it was inconsistent. You know, it wasn't until, like, my senior year where I put it all together. And that's when I started to get the offers. And, uh, you know, people started to really see that, you know, I can make it to college. And that's when I really started to believe it. You're probably being looked at as you play football, not mm-hmm. soccer. Mm-hmm. <laughs> okay, so this is funny. So I played soccer. Um, and then really, I probably would have just continued to play soccer. And then uh, when I was coming up, one of my good friends, he uh, introduced me to Madden. So I went over to his house and started playing Madden, and uh, I didn't know what I was doing, right? And so I remember, uh, I think I scored a touchdown, luckily, and uh, I didn't know what to do next. So I asked him, he, <laughs> what he did was he had me punt the ball and say kick a field goal. Oh, I was pissed after oh, that. Oh, he played. Yeah. Exactly. So, right, you, so didn't look, rules, you didn't even know the rules of football when you playing Madden? No, I didn't know what I was doing. Well, at all. first of all, you know he didn't know because he <laughs> slipped that in. Right. He, this is what he slipped in, and I let slide. I know anything about football. I went over to my friend's house yeah. to play because let's play the narrative, man. Them Nigerians ain't letting y'all play. No <laughs> games in the house. <laughs> exactly. Hey, those games mm-hmm. are for those American kids who are lazy. It's, go get a book. Read a book. Yeah. Am I mm-hmm. is that correct? Yeah, no, we were, we, they took us to the library like every week. Oh, yeah, I got Nigerian friends. I, I knew it. Yeah. <laughs> I know my people. <laughs> oh, show. <laughs> it, was, it was funny. I mean, you know, they tried to, they tried to push us to, uh, to do that. But in terms of the video game, yeah, so I went over there. And that, honestly, that's been my motivation from the beginning, man. Every time, every time I think back about how I started playing football, I just always remember that story. Then I got into Pop Warner. Uh, I was playing Pop Warner. And from there, you know, that's where it just kind of took off. But I was playing soccer for a pretty long time at first. What position did you play? Oh, I can't even tell you, man, because I started playing football in fourth or fifth grade. So um, maybe forward. I played goalie for a little bit. I played goalie for a real for for a minute. Um, that's the boy. And I was really all over the field, honestly. They just kind of threw me out there and was like, all right, go run. So they treat you like athlete. Exactly. Hey, exactly. Just go out there. Hey, just go out there. Outrun Lil Johnny. Because you're mm-hmm. in Marine Valley, so you know you going, you know what you're going up against. Yeah. Red, Alex. <laughs> right? <laughs> oh, that's, that's the Marino Valley kind of. I mean, nah, the, it's, it's pretty diverse. Mm-hmm. At the time that you were growing up. I don't know. Y'all though, Kelly play, guys always. Playing soccer? Yeah. yeah. Playing soccer in Marino Valley. Uh-huh. Now it may be diverse, but that's soccer. Cause I, I I've experienced it here in Charlotte. Charlotte's crazy soccer youth soccer academy, mm-hmm. but it ain't a lot of brothers on the sidelines <laughs> and in the games. I'm Very just, true. No, uh, you're right. just being honest. No, nah, in Rio Valley we had we had the uh, everybody moved from L.A. Because you know in the '90s that's when you know blacks and Mexicans were fighting. We had. Um, what was it, L.A. riots, so everybody was trying to get out of L.A. So when I was coming up, everybody that was moving out of L.A. was moving towards the Inland Empire, Moreno Valley, Riverside, um, all those places. So really, it was, it was actually a lot of black people in Moreno Valley growing up. Playing soccer, though. <laughs> Mexicans. It was Mexicans. <laughs> <laughs> playing soccer? Nah. It was Mexicans playing soccer. That was probably the first time when they said, hey, bro, we're going to call you Q or Quincy. <laughs> <laughs> started. It actually started. It started around there. Yeah. <laughs> what was the recruiting process for you specifically? Because we've had a few guys on here who's talked about their collegiate recruiting process. It's been different for everyone mm-hmm. else. We we've had Malcolm Jenkins on. He's talked about he got to Ohio State because his folks were visiting some family members at Ohio and signed him and his brother up. Um, for a football camp, mm-hmm. just to give them something to do in the summer. Mm-hmm. So I'm, I'm wondering, and and from there, that's how you got a scholarship right. to, to Ohio State. Now you got an offer to Nebraska. Mm-hmm. 
Mm-hmm. I was that process from Even from LA to Nebraska. from Marino Marino Valley, LA, right, forty five minutes out of LA to the Midwest, Nebraska. That had to be interesting. Talk about, talk about culture shock, right? Yeah, it was huge culture shock, culture shock, weather shock, everything, man. I mean, it was it was a different life. I mean, I thought I was on a different planet. To be honest with you, when I first when I first heard in Nebraska, I really didn't even know where it was at. You know, so um, when I got there, you know, it was it was I, the first time I was there was for a game. So that's what really drew me in. You know, it was like you don't see that type of stuff, right? Like it's it's all in. Everybody loves football there, like literally the whole state. So. I think, you know, it was just a, it was just cool to see when I was out there that, you know, there was so much love for the football team, so much love for the games, sold out every game. They had like a 300-game sellout. Um, you know, they, they, they just love ball there. But ultimately sold you on picking Nebraska. Was it that game? Yeah, no, the game. But honestly, you know, I didn't have a lot of uh, offers. I had like three or four. Um, and so Nebraska was like one of the biggest ones. And I knew, you know, if I went to Nebraska, you know, I, out of all the other options I had, at least they were like a winning team. Um, mm-hmm. You know, they, that year, the year before they made it to the Big 12 championship. And actually the first year I was there, we made it to the Big 12 championship too. So I knew I would get more exposure going there than anywhere else. What were some of those other schools, if you don't mind? Uh, tell uh, Washington State. Okay. Washington State was another one. Um, I – Got recruited by like Idaho State, um, like small, small, smaller schools um, over on the west side, west coast. Um, and then uh, for track, I got looked at by Miami. I, I, I actually, if I could, I, I liked track a lot more, honestly. I did. I was a high jumper and we did four by one, um, triple jump. Um, but uh, it just didn't, you know, I didn't, I didn't have all the tools, uh, so it didn't work out for me as well. What do, you, what do you mean you didn't have all the tools? I think if I could have had a little bit um, more, like, in-depth coaching, maybe filming how I was doing it, like, because I was a 6'9 high jumper, so I felt like I could get to seven feet. Hmm. You know, but my form just wasn't the best. About a month after I got to Utah, University of Utah, I was ready to come home. I was homesick. Mm-hmm. The mm-hmm. only thing that did not – the only thing that really the saving grace was we were so dang poor. Uh, mm. My mom couldn't afford. Uh, she was like, look, Stevon, you can't. We don't have any money. Because my aunt, my grandmother, the people that scrounged up money to actually get me a one-way ticket to Utah. Wow. So I didn't, but I wanted to leave. So with me throwing myself out there, I, I can't imagine did you get homesick? Did you feel like it was a mistake uh, mm. going out there? Yeah, no, I definitely was homesick. Um, in terms of mistake, you know, I just kind of tried to tell myself, you know, this is this is what I got to do. You know, I think um, it was it was the the theme that was pushed for us, you know, with education was that I knew that this was, you know, this was the the step I needed, whether it be for football or education, in order for me to, you know, come back with I wanted to come back with something in my head, you know, I wanted to come back with, with some type of uh, accomplishment. Right. So, you know, being there, um, I had my head focused on, you know, what I needed to do um, and what I felt I wanted to do uh, and get out of it. So I, there was no like, Oh, I want to come home. It was like, man, it's, I got to do this. You know, I, I need to get this done. In the recruiting process, what was the message your folks, your parents, we're sending you off with basically what I, you know, basically what I was kind of just already thinking, you know, just, you know, work hard, um, stay out of trouble, um, you know, and, and do, do, do what, uh, these people that are now basically your caretakers basically tell you what to do, you know, because at the end of the day, you know, they, they're basically passing me off to them, you know, and that's actually not to kind of be off too much, but that's what's kind of crazy about this whole college, uh, uh, you know, recruiting stuff, man. They they take you away from your home, you mm-hmm. know, knowing that a lot of guys, you know, they, they, they come in from upbringings that are way completely different. And then they don't even really take care of you as much as they should when you get out there, you know. They sell you all these dreams and then you get out there and it's a completely different life. 
it's got to be a transition. You, you're, especially for you, you're a deep-rooted family guy, but you have one family, and now you've got to transition almost to a completely new family. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. It's, 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 a, it's, it's, it's an interesting transition, but luckily, you know, I actually had um, one of the guys that came there, um, I knew him in high school, so, you know, we kind of, we hung out a lot. You know, that was my guy. He's actually uh, one of my groomsmen at my wedding, you know, so it was helpful to have somebody, a piece from home, you know, while I was out there. Yeah, one of my best friends uh, named Johnny Lundy, we met on our recruiting trip mm -hmm. to Utah, friends to this day. So, yeah. you know, uh, it, as funny as, too, is hearing you talk about, and I heard in your voice and you were very, you were dancing around it, but basically you have these people and there's all facets of coaches now, men and women in collegiate sports that are coming in and basically auditioning and, and telling your folks, right? Luckily, I had a great recruiter who's kind of like a father figure to me named Fred Graves, a wide receivers coach, uh, San Diego, Utah, Buffalo Bills, San Diego Chargers, even for a little bit of time at Carolina Panthers. Mm -hmm. And he recruited me and he came in and told my grandmother that he was going to take care of me. He's going to look out for me just like his, his own son. He did that. But I'm imagining that there's a lot of other people. That's not the case. That may not be the case. And they tell you, man, you know, we're going to take care of you like he's one of our own. Mm -hmm. And sometimes that doesn't happen. Yeah. Who was the coach that recruited you? And what, what kind of did they say? Because I, I kind of felt a little bit in there. You were like, man, this, this – this game they running, man, you go to college and you are handing off the most valuable thing you have. And these coaches are like, let me check it off the box. Mm -hmm. Got Quincy. Bang. We got this wide receiver. Got a wide rece no, so Let's go to the next to guy. We got to re receive. And we'll tell them whatever we'll, we'll tell them whatever we need to tell them right. to get our guy so we can keep our contracts. Mm -hmm. You know, uh, I'm a football historian. So Nebraska at that time, y'all was wearing them boo-boo Adidas. I was going to say, as much as you run the ball, <laughs> just going to get a wide receiver is a, is a, is a special. Uh, <laughs> wearing those. Adidas now is fire. Yeah. But when you was playing, they was not. <laughs> nah, not at all. Yeah, just for them to get a wide receiver is a victory in and of itself all the, as much as they run the ball. I, mean, I know, right? Not a wide receiver. Split end. Well, it's just they, <laughs> they, they switch it up, man. So we're going to go into a part that I love. Let's talk ball. You know, we're mm. going to talk about ball. And so I, I just got to start off, man, because kind of tell tell fans, your fans, fans of our podcast, you're a six-round pick on um, 2014, right, uh, out mm -hmm. of Nebraska. Right now, you know, without saying the date and all that stuff, you – were released from the New York Jets and you sustained some injuries. Um, take us through right now that what it has the process been for you in football that sounds like uh, most guys I assume, but I'll say it, outside of your wife uh, and, and your, your family, football really for an NFL guy I know is – that's, that's your first love. Mm -hmm. Now you're losing that first love. What has that grieving process been like for you? And, and walk us through that if, if you don't mind or if you, if you can, because I just went through it uh, about three, four years ago, and then we moved, and I literally had to pack up stuff that I kind of stored away in my basement. So we moved and downsized. And I say downsized, I mean, we went from a family of six to now we're on a family of four and I got a sophomore. So we're in three years, basically be me, my wife and our, and our, our youngest, uh, Steve Smith Jr. And I, I was packing up and deciding what do I want to keep? What do I want to get rid of? And there's a moment I started tearing up in my basement as I'm packing because I'm packing up. I had my old shoulder pads on it. I wore the same shoulder pads my whole career. Mm. Uh, my Carolina Panthers shoulder pads were the shoulder pads I wore underneath my jersey in Baltimore. So when I was released, the only thing I told them is uh, send, me, send my shoulder pads. <laughs> and that was it. And I was packing up my stuff. 
And I got teary-eyed because I was like, man, I'll never be able to play ball again. Mm-hmm. And as I was putting it in there, I'm like, oh, these are my first pair of cleats that I wore, you know, my cleats that I got from the Pro Bowl, or these, these are the, this is a jersey I had, or a photo of, of Peyton, my oldest son, who's 22 now, going to be 23 in November. But there's a picture of him when he was eight or nine years old. He's standing with Donna Vigman now. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm just trying to figure out how has that process been for you so far? Uh, and, and it hasn't been a long time. But how is that uh, coming along for you and take us uh, through that journey, if you don't mind? The most difficult part is just been injured for, you know, now going on two years, you know, it's, it's, that's been one of the hardest things, especially, you know, it being a neck injury. So, you know, I have to take it that much, that much more serious, um, you know? And so uh, the hardest thing for me last year, I could say was, you know, it, it being my second time being injured. Um, what was that? Coming into the facility, a neck injury. So the first year I had neck surgery, the first injury, you know, I had that was major. I had neck surgery. So I missed the whole year. What was that entail, that neck surgery? Mm. Uh, yeah, so I had a herniated disc. So what they had to do was they had to go in, take the disc out, put a bone in, a metal plate, some screws, um, and then I had to wait nine months for it to heal up. So that was, that was... What was the prognosis as they started to lay out the game plan of how to uh, approach this injury? They said that, you know, I had a good, you know, a good chance to come back out, play. You know, I might have small uh, change in my range of motion, but overall I should be able to go play. So, you know, that was encouraging that first year, you know, to go out there and know that, you know, once I got this done, I could still go out and play. And so then I did in 2018. But then 2019, um, you know, I go back out and I hit somebody and find out that I got another herniated disc and this one is the one below. So that's where, you know, things started to become like, dang. Like, was it uh, upper or lower? Uh, oh, upper cervical, so in my neck. The process of being injured, you know, in the NFL, you know, you, you, you work your whole life to get here, you know, and, and to, to, for injuries to be the reason why, you know, you're not able to see the field, it can be kind of, uh, you know, disheartening, depressing in those type of ways, especially when you, you know, were once a captain, a leader, you know, you almost feel as though, uh, you're letting the team down. You know, these guys look up to you. These guys look to you um, to go out there and perform, to make these big plays, score touchdowns, all those things, you know. And so sometimes it can be hard to face your teammates knowing that you're injured again, even though at the end of the day, it's really not even your fault. You know, you're, you're not the one that went out there and purposely hurt yourself. You're just playing as hard as you can. You know, the chips fell, fell where they fell. You know, it was a, it was a hard time for me, um, you know, just kind of going through, like you said, the grieving process of knowing that, you know, um, this this second injury, you know, could, could make things a lot, a lot more difficult for me. I think it's about that time. Just uh, take a little breather. Cut to it. Cut to it. Let's get down to it. Hey, Gerard, where did you get that T-shirt? You mean this thing? Oh, yes. I got it from CutToItPodcast.com, where we have exclusive merchandise. Shout out to our guys at 704 Shop. But yeah, you can go on, buy you a T-shirt, subscribe to us wherever you listen to podcasts. Hi, it's Gabby Reese, and this podcast is powered by Laird Superfood, a brand that's truly close to my heart because it was founded in my kitchen by my husband, big wave surfer Laird Hamilton. Today, Laird Superfood boasts an amazing lineup of products, all crafted with the highest quality plant-based ingredients. Think functional mushrooms, real fruits and veggies. What makes us unique? We're committed to using only real ingredients, no artificial and no natural flavors. Two of my absolute favorites are prebiotic daily greens, really great tasting, and we've added some mushrooms to support your gut even a little more. Then there's our instant latte lineup. We've got instant mocha, instant latte, chai, If you want to discover Laird Superfood, you can do it at your local retailer on Amazon or at LairdSuperfood.com. And if you put in the code GABBY2024 on our website, you'll get an exclusive 20% off your first purchase. 
Had enough of those supplements that leave you feeling nothing? Symbiotica is your solution to great-tasting all-natural supplements that actually work. Crafted with premium plant-based ingredients, their products have no seed oils, fillers, or artificial nonsense. It's just pure goodness in every pouch. Try them out and actually feel the difference today. Visit Symbiotica.com and use code IHEART for 15% off plus free shipping on your subscription order. Again, that's 15% off plus free shipping on your subscription order. Go to Symbiotica.com. That's C-Y-M-B-I-O-T-I-K-A dot with AT&T in-car Wi-Fi, stay connected wherever you go and transform your vehicle into a dependable Wi-Fi hotspot. Powering applications like real-time GPS and voice assistant, navigation becomes a breeze. Even on the practice field, AT&T in-car Wi-Fi keeps you connected while in proximity of your vehicle. Work, stream shows, or finish homework without missing a beat. See if you're eligible for a free trial at att.com slash in-car Wi-Fi. Don't let connectivity be a roadblock in your journey. Always pay careful attention to the road and don't get distracted. Wi-Fi hotspot intended for passenger use when vehicle is in operation sitting in your locker after you get this diagnosis and the symbolism of sitting in your locker being alone what was that inner inner dialogue with you and your heart of this game that you potentially no longer can play no i think in the beginning it was probably a little bit of denial you know like nah you know i can still do this Mm -hmm. Uh, but uh you know, we actually, so this past year, we, um, what they told me after I got hurt uh, after the first game was that, you know, we would um, sit back um, and see how it heals without playing any football and uh, reassess. Um, so I went through the whole year, you know, knowing um, that there's probably nothing I could physically do to help it get better. And the only way it would literally get better was um, basically by, you know, the grace of God, right? Like some miracle happening where the disc shrinks and um, it's no longer herniated and I can go back out on the football field. Um, so knowing that, you know, that, that that's a little bit frustrating. You almost kind of don't want to um, do anything because you know there's really nothing that can help. Um, so fast forward um, to the end of the season, we went to go get an MRI and it showed no change. This is, this is tough, you know, life. Um, you know, it's now my second neck injury. Um, and after a whole year, nothing has changed. I'm still not getting any better. Um, so, you know, it, it thankfully, you know, the, the, the doctor was still telling me there's a chance, but, you know, I'm, 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 I'm I know uh, deep down, you know, that I, I'm happy with what I've accomplished. And, you know, if, if, if it doesn't happen, it doesn't happen, but I'm going to, I'm going to, you know, do what I can uh, to get back out there if I can. How did you, approach playing the NFL? Was it a job or was it a child's game? Mm. So I'll say this. It was it was a child's game up until I saw somebody get cut, right? <laughs> so the first time I saw somebody get cut, I realized this is a job and I need to take it as a job. So every day I came to work. And I told everybody, you know, anybody I met, I said, I got to go to work. They'd be like, what? I'm like, yeah, this is my job, man. This is no longer just, this isn't a, just a game. This is a business. And if I don't, if I don't look at it this way, you know, I, I could be the next one out of here. So every day was a work, you know, every day I came to, every day I came to work. It wasn't, I was coming to go play football. So you, you treat it like a career. What were the highs of playing ball? Fans. Right, going out there, scoring touchdowns in front of the fans. I think that that's probably the highs of it. You know, being able to kind of put it all together and and show the world what you're capable of doing. You know, making those big plays. You know, hearing the audience. You know, the the crowd um, getting loud. You know, especially when they hear the ball in the air. I remember one of my one of my favorite plays was uh, against New England, um, uh, 2017, 16. Uh, scored a touchdown in the back corner. Um, and the ball was in the air as I was running. So all you hear is just the crowd. <sighs> I look up, the ball's in the air. I catch it, come down, the crowd gets even louder. You know, it's just, it's just, it's a feeling that you can't really, you know, put anywhere else. What was your professional goals when you first started, once you got a, a finally got a taste of being a wide receiver in the NFL? Oh, professional goals. I mean, I had, I had a lot, man, you know, and, I'd say, you know, the biggest one was to just be known as a professional, honestly. You know, it's a simple one. It's a small one. But I knew, you know, there were so many things outside of my control. You know, going to the Pro Bowl, 
uh, going to the Super Bowl. You know, I think those are my goals, but I knew that, you know, they're, they're, that's, it's a team game, right? So there's going to be so many different things that are a factor of that. So I knew that the biggest one that I wanted, no matter what, was that I came to work and people knew that I was going to be a hard worker, that I was going to come in every day. And you knew that Quincy was going to have his heart added on and that he was going to be the guy that you could look to to be working the hardest on the field. At times, I felt very awkward, kind of struggled with, with being comfortable in my own skin. How comfortable were you in your own skin as an NFL football player? Uh, I say I was comfortable, but I say that, you know, it was kind of like uh, there wasn't the complete self-awareness there, right? Like, I think that we get, especially now in the age of social media, when you get on social, when you become a professional football player, you almost feel like you have to live up to this facade. You know, you have to be perfect. You got to be like uh, uh, all these guys on social media showing and flying and all those other things. And I, and I feel like a lot of guys kind of fall into the trap, you know? And so the minute that I kind of like was brought back down, like, you know, this isn't what I need, you know, being on social media kind of helped me kind of see that, you know, all these things on social media, it, it's so much fake, you know what I mean? Like, you you just see the um, people trying to live up to something, you know, or live up to the character that they feel like they have to be. Um, and so that's kind of why I took the break was because you know, I didn't want to be feed, fed into that. I didn't really care to see it anymore. And, you know, I wanted to just live a life where I felt like I didn't need to live up to anybody else's expectations, you know, because life is already hard enough, you know. So what led to you taking a social media break? Um, being hurt, you know, I think, uh, I just was like, you know, I don't, I don't care to post about football or see football, you know, being hurt kind of just like made me like take a step back, you know, being hurt a second time. I mean, so, you know, but it was, it was a healthy break, man. It, it felt good. What would older Quincy tell younger Quincy entering into his first NFL training camp? So the older Quincy is like, look, let me tell you. What's gonna happen? This is how it's going down. Mm-hmm. Knowing everything you know right now, I would tell myself to stretch, flexibility, yoga in some way. Do that as much as you can. Do so much flexibility. Uh, have be the one of the most flexible, and also uh, really work on cardio. Those are the two things that throughout my career, um, I wish I would have done more of. Just really working on my cardio and really working on uh, my flexibility. That's it. <laughs> yeah, I mean, listen, it, 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 I felt I like I'm disappointed, but I kind of am. Like, <laughs> like I, I, you going to your first training camp, Quincy? What do you got? Working hey, stretch. <laughs> <laughs> that listen, that that would have taken me so got, much no, further. No money advice. I you didn't know? need to listen. I didn't need to. I wasn't. I wasn't spending crazy. There was certain things that I just already okay. knew. But that was one thing I wish I would have known. That, right. that brother just need to stretch. I just, hey, I just. <laughs> You know, hey, I'm about to get married. You got any advice, Pop? Hey, <laughs> cancer. <laughs> hey, some people yes. need that, though. I know, but hey, <laughs> I was like, my oh, man, my God. man Q, he got some, he over here dropping knowledge. Stretch. He was looking for the perspective answer. He gave you the, he, he gave you the straight ball, hit ball. <laughs> yeah. Oh, man. All right, so we, we gonna, um, we're going to wrap this up, but, man, we're we going to do one of our things called the deep three. Uh, deep three mm-hmm. is we're going to ask you uh, – I'm reading this. Hey, that's pretty good. Like, we, deep three is going to be three introspective things that we just want to dive deep in with you. Uh, Quincy, once you knew you could make football into a career, who did you play for and what was your why? I played for my family. Yeah, I definitely played for my family. And so they were, they were my why, too, you know, like – being able to just help them out, you know, they did so much to be to come to this country, you know, to to sacrifice so much, you know, um, to risk so much to leave their family, you know, to to create a family here. Um, you know, I just wanted to be able to uh, do what I can to kind of repay them. Well, how could you tell your wife the impact she's had on your life as mm-hmm. a football player? Hmm. You know, just in case you want to let her listen when we drop brown points. Uh, I, honestly, man, I tell her all the time, man. She's she's 
she's been a huge piece of of, of, of my piece, right? Like, you know, she's she's helped me be at peace, you know, when things have been so stressful, you know, to come home, you know, to a wife that's been so supportive, um, has been, you know, the the most amazing part of my 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 career, you know, to, to have somebody that you can to just be at home, to de stress, you know, talk about the things that go on and you guys can just come together in harmony. Um, you know, that's 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 a beautiful thing that, you know, I hope most guys get to experience. What do you still want out of your professional career? And how are you going to keep your mental game strong? I, I want a Super Bowl, man. I want a Super Bowl out of this, man. I think, you know, when you when you make it past the average, you know, three years, you know, I think, I think you know, one of the big goals outside of your own individual goals is a big one, Super Bowl, you know. And, and I think in order for me to get there, you know, mentally, you know, it's just about, Staying focused on that goal, you know, creating systems in order for me to reach that goal, you know, and, and I feel like, you know, I've had a lot of great mentors, you know, and, and so, you know, the next time I hit that field, I know that, you know, I'll definitely be prepared. What was your why while you were playing? And then also, what's your why? Probably the first eight or nine years of my NFL career, uh, I played for myself. Hmm. And then I started to realize um, that this was going to – I was running out of steam. And it was really something that was extremely hard to uh, keep up. And so I had some things personally happen in my life. uh, And over time, uh, we'll reveal them more and more. Hmm. Um. And start to realize that the selfishness and just um, <clears throat> that inner dialogue within myself uh, was not positive. And I started to need to refocus and really see. And so I kind of took that time to really say, okay, God, I, I played enough for myself. I need to start playing uh, for you. And when I say playing for God, meaning allowing him to really direct my steps. Wow. And direct my steps in understanding why am I here? What's the purpose? And so realizing that even now being done playing and in my last couple of years is I played understanding and trained with a scientific and a a holistic approach of, of myself and how I can get the best out of myself, how I can get the best out of manipulating my mind into believing that no one Uh, liked me and no one believed in me. And then I started to realize as I started kind of relying on God to direct my steps is I found myself in the middle of working out, asking God to help me Hmm. get through this workout at 32, 33, 34 years old and started to realize I needed people around me to help me. I needed people in my life that would speak life into me. Um, not just teach me how to save a whole bunch of money, teach me how to uh, acquire materialistic things, acquire things that will bring value to increase my status on social media and all that stuff, but really um, to try to live a legacy, to try to have something that my wife, my family, my my boys and my daughter would be proud of. Um, Also that when they hear me speak, that they don't cringe of, of the things that I say and how I articulate them. Um, because a lot of times I've, I, in the past I've cussed is, is really a shortcut. My, my, my father-in-law said that he believes that people that cuss, uh, only are masking for the lack of words that they have. And it's always stood out. And he's also a man who taught me how to tie a tie. Okay. So he, uh, is my wife's father, but however, I call him dad as well, because he has shown me some things. And so what I mean by that is by the age of 11 or 12, my oldest son, Peyton, knows how to tie a tie. My son, Boston, knows how to tie a tie. And Deuce, who's six years old, who wears dad's ties, (laughs) right? So giving them something more than money, giving them something, teaching them how to truly fish. and, And because we can learn how to cook, but do we know how to fish and yeah. cook? And so one of the coolest things, uh, my why is my oldest son, we were texting the other day, and he's starting to, he's on his own, and he's starting to cook. 
And he said something to me that warmed my heart, and I know it's from the Lord, which is, uh, he said, uh, I said, I see you. And he said, uh, I said, you know, you keep this up. You know, you're going to be cooking. And his text said, just trying to be like you, Dad. And I said, uh, well, you know, you come over on a, you know, still good. So the, the weather's still good. So come on over and I'll teach you how to, you know, work on the grill. Yeah. His reply was even deeper, which was, I would love nothing more. And I didn't even reply. <laughs> I just stared at it. And I still been staring at it. I've been staring at the text for two days now. That That's my why. You are a unique person. You are well worth it. You are competent. And most of all, you're lovable. I'm Steve Smith Sr. I'm Gerard Littlejohn. And this is Cut To It. Cut To It with Steve Smith Sr. That is me. Is a production of Cut To It LLC, Balto Creative Media, The Black Effect, and iHeartRadio. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows. From Cut To It, executive producer Steve Smith Sr., co-host Gerard Littlejohn, talent and booking manager Joe Fushi, social media team Wesley Robinson and John Show. From Balto Creative Media, Cut To It is produced by Brian Baltashevich and Meredith Carter with production assistance by Alex Lebrecht. Production manager Sarah Pollock. Theme music by Alex Johnson. Lyrics and vocals by Anthony Hamilton. If you ain't heard about it, then we're about to let you know. It's on. Got my Prevnar 20 shot. It's a pneumococcal pneumonia vaccine. For us wise folks, it helps protect. I'm 19, strong. And asthmatic and at higher risk. Get vaccinated. But, but nothing when grandma speaks. Grandson listens. 19 or older with chronic conditions like asthma, diabetes, or chronic heart disease, or 65 plus, you may be at higher risk for pneumococcal pneumonia. Prevnar 20 can help protect you with just one dose. Prevnar 20 is approved for adults to help prevent infections from 20 strains of the bacteria that cause pneumococcal pneumonia. Continued approval may depend on a supportive study. Don't get Prevnar 20 if you've had a severe allergic reaction to the vaccine or its ingredients. Adults with weakened immune systems may have a lower response to the vaccine. Side effects include pain and swelling at the injection site, fatigue, headache, muscle, and joint pain. For full prescribing information, please call 1-855-213-2138 or visit Prevnar 20.com. Ask your doctor or pharmacist about getting vaccinated with Prevnar 20, even if you've already received another pneumococcal pneumonia vaccine. Whether it's your first time betting or you've been gambling for years, have a plan and know the game. Be aware of the rules and odds before you gamble. Set a budget and never gamble with money you can't afford to lose. Take a break and consider teaming up with trusted friends to help you stick to your budget. Remember, if you or a loved one has a gambling problem, call 1-800-GAMBLER 24-7 or go to HelpMyGamblingProblem.org for free confidential services. Career Builder is made for people who have that thing. You know, those superpowers that make you good at your job. The skills you bring to work. And CareerBuilder knows those skills make you right for other jobs too. Higher paying jobs with benefits. Jobs you never thought of trying. Are you a people person? Work from home as a customer service rep. Are you organized and like driving? Become a delivery driver. You have the skills it takes and CareerBuilder.com has the jobs to get you hired fast. Visit CareerBuilder.com.